You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. Now we're on a collective journey to lead, live, and love better, and I'm so happy you're here with us. On today's episode, we're going to tackle the hurry culture that's so prevalent today. We wear busy like a badge of honor, and the whole time, it's wearing us down. So let's explore what will happen if we just take it slow. You ready? Let's work. Sisters, how y'all feeling? Brothers, y'all all all right? (laughs) Now, I'm hoping everyone's well, as I'm grateful to report that all is well in the Pope House. Now, the New York Times just came out with a parenting special report, and it's pretty moving. It made me want to talk about it, at least just for a little bit. The premise of the collection of articles, it shows the massive and collective stress that moms are experiencing. They're being stuck at home with their kids while having to work and teach their kids and manage most of the domestic load at home in the middle of a pandemic. I think the title is American Mothers Are in Crisis. It's worth Googling and reading. It's really good. The aspect of the report that grabbed me the most was this hotline that they created for moms to call in anonymously and just be able to vent or cry or even scream. And they did (laughs) scream out their frustrations about trying to balance or manage it all. And while it was Wild, it was also incredibly relatable. I, I can't even lie. I was just speaking with a younger married couple, and I shared with them how parenting will take you to the edge, the edge of your heart, because the love that you experience for your kid, it is beyond what you could even fathom. And it also takes you to the edge of your mind because it just should never be allowed how quickly your kid will find the last nerve that you hid just in case of any emergency. They'll find that nerve and tap dance all over it before you've even finished your morning tea. Now, if you get the chance, just listen to a few of the calls. They are stirring for sure. And I'm bringing this up because I think culturally, we've done such a disservice to people with preparing them for what parenting and marriage really looks like. And sure, it really does. It really has its beauty and wonder and adventure and fun. But it's not all cute social media posts and tickles and smiles all day. One of my favorite teachers, he puts it this way. We've got to do a better job with preparing people with this truth that some of your biggest and deepest disappointments in your life will likely come from your spouse and children. Ooh, now when I first heard this, it felt like cold water to the face, but that didn't make it any less true. Now, I'm not saying this so that we shrink back from love or that we avoid these types of relationships. That would be a trauma-based response and we're not on that. And as a wife and mom, I'll be the first one to tell you how amazing and enriching Ruin the Kids have been to my life. And yet, even with this truth, it gets real, fam. Like, there's a season of parenting littles, especially if there's a lot of littles, uh, more than one, and they're all at a certain age. It's it's simply hard. And then being in a pandemic, yeah, fam, like that just magnifies the hard. But I think what makes it even harder is when we do not prepare ourselves with the truth of just how hard it can get. Instead, we only focus on the fantasy of what we want it to be. That's a surefire way for getting disappointed really quick. 
It's the equivalent of joining a sports team only focused on winning the championship without any regard for the conditioning and training that's going to have to take place if you want to win. Now, the best piece of advice I got was from a seasoned mom, and I want to share it here real quick. She she had five, <laughs> five kids, and at the time, they were 10 and under, and I literally had to ask her one day, how do you do this? She gave me the best grace-filled answer. She said, son, simply embrace the season of child-rearing that you're in and be okay with the fact that it will be messy, but only for a season. So yeah, the house won't be perfectly put together. You may not have everything look and be the way you want it to be, but it's not going to last for the whole time of motherhood. And fam, I really needed to hear that because it helped me chill out and not be so frustrated when my two-year-old tries to help me make the bed by jumping on it or when she tries to help me put away the laundry by unfolding the clothes that I just spent time folding and I hate laundry. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that this is the answer that'll soothe your soul when that real mother rage shows up because it does and it is real. But what I am saying is I'm in it with you. So to my fellow mamas and fathers and caregivers, I see you and I'm here for you and with you. We in it together. So we've got to be kind to ourselves because guilt and shame-based parenting, that doesn't help the kids and it doesn't help us. And to be truthful, as much as the stories of raising kids, how great they were 50, 60, 40 years ago, it's it's wonderful and I admire it and I respect it, but it's a different era. Like, and and nobody alive has raised kids in a pandemic, but you're doing it. And you're loved while you do it. So again, I'm not saying this to be the Debbie Downer to your goals. Have all the babies and love the stew out of your spouse. And just remember, when it gets tough, not only do you have the grace to continue and to finish, but it's simply a part of life. So it'll pass, and it does get better. Say la, sugar. Now, on to the main topic. discovered that trying is not a biblical concept, but training is. Jesus endorses practice, and we should too. So now it's time to get into the actual and practical aspects of the spiritual disciplines. Now, as a reminder, we do not practice this as if they are the prize themselves, but we're simply practicing the characteristics that Jesus lived with the intention that with the help of Holy Spirit, will be transformed into being more like him. So to put it plainly, we practice being with Jesus and being like Jesus by doing what he did. Up first is the concept that Pete Scazzaro calls slowed down spirituality. Now, we're living in a time where speed is king and slow is dumb. We primarily celebrate the young and successful, and we've created imaginary timelines of when you should do stuff like crush it in your career. You get married by this age, you have kids at that age, and then be the first and fastest in all you do. We feel the rush and bustle in our bones. And thanks to the convenience of technology, everything we want is managed through taps and swipes on our phone. We can instantly get food, entertainment, and any other needless wants delivered to our homes by the next day, even some cases, hours. 
We crave hacks and shortcuts that will make our life easier. And the quick, fast lifestyle that is so proudly hailed, it's even made its way into the church house. So now it's two songs and a sermon, and you're out the door with the expectation that the spiritual happy meal will be enough to nourish your soul for the next seven days until you get to do it again, in 90 minutes or less, of course. Chop, chop. Let's go. That's the pace of our days. We demand it from our internet and our children. We want it from our goals and our investments. Grow fast now. And yet, there was never, ever a time that Jesus rushed to do anything. We say fast. He says slow. We say pick up the pace. He says run your own race. We say, yo, you're falling behind. You've got to do something quick. He says, when you're with me, you're right where you need to be. So what if we took the rest of this episode to explore what are we really slowing down for? That deliberate decision to move at a pace that allows our souls to catch up with our often frenzied minds and overexerted bodies. What is that like? So... I just want to talk about three things that we're slowing down for. Number one, slow down to see. So, you know that expression, stop and smell the roses? Well, we've got to see them too. And it's true. Slowing down gives us an insight that hurry never will. See, slowing lets us see ourselves as we are by giving us the grace of time to confront the things we're too busy to notice otherwise. It lets us see scripture through the lens of an active learner. So we're no longer just a quick consumer of information, but a beholder of its beautiful truth. And beholding is one of the greatest aspects of becoming, because whatever has your attention has you. So, what you looking at? Are you looking at the ever-moving target of an imaginary fear-based finish line that threatens to disappear if you can't keep up? Or are you slowed down long enough to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face? Now, I'm a him baby, and that one is one of my favorites. Here's the thing. What you see matters. And friends, if we're moving too fast, we'll miss it. Number two, slow down to love. Number two, we slow down to love. Now, this one, ooh, this is the one that guts me. John Mark Comer, his latest book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and he talks about this concept masterfully by explaining how Jesus always moved at the speed of love, which is the average walking speed, which is three miles an hour. This thought originates with the late Japanese theologian Kosuke Koyama, and hopefully I'm not mispronouncing that too bad, but he explains it this way. God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. Ooh, now perhaps this is why the saints refer to their journey as their walk with God, not their run. Take a second to picture that, will you? 
there's God with you, alongside you, and you with him. You're slow enough to hear, to rest, to trust, to learn, to heal, to love and be loved by him. Like, like really imagine that. Because this glorified grind that we love to exalt, it's simply another way that the secular culture, it's seeping into our souls. Hurry ends up being a waste of time. We'll never achieve the it we're seeking by rushing. Because love is not in a race. Number three, we slow down to be formed. Yo, hurry brings out the worst in us. Think about it. When you're late for work or late to dropping your kids off to school, that would be me. (laughs) Are those kind, happy thoughts when you're stuck behind the person who doesn't realize that green means go? Mm -mm. When you're rushing to get out the door and one of your moody preteens is taking his or her sweet time with putting their shoes on, are you cool, calm, and collected? Definitely not. (laughs) We're frenzied. We're anxious. We're on edge. And sometimes we articulate all of that to the ones we love in the worst of ways. We've practiced enough panic, though. It's begun to form us into a rushed people. The psychological term for this is hurry sickness, where we're on the edge like that all of the time. Fam, this will never yield the life of peace, love, and joy that were promised in the scriptures. So perhaps it's time to practice something else. Slowing. The biggest thing to remember about the deliberate action of inconveniencing yourself to teach your soul patience, that's my working definition of slowing down, it's this. Slowing down is the discipline by which all the other disciplines can flourish. Because imagine rushing through the other disciplines as if it were another goal to be accomplished, another duty to be done, or another box to check off on your daily to-do list. So what good is reading the scriptures if I'm breezing through it so I can just move on with my day? What good is prayer if I don't even take the time to listen for his voice because I only made time for me to do the talking? And what's the point of hospitality and opening my home if it's just to take pleasure in my own good works, but I never slow down enough to really feast with my neighbors and get to know them? Yo, fast is forming us in ways that we did not anticipate, but we can counter that by simply taking our time. Simple practices like driving the speed limit in the slow lane every once in a while, taking time to breathe, putting the phone down for long periods of time to read a book or go for a walk or have long conversations with our loved ones with no phones around and intentional eye contact. Like, what if we go out to eat with friends and leave our phones in the car? What if we take a digital Sabbath over the weekend and just shut the phone off for the day or turn off the Wi-Fi on the phone? Um, I tried this once last month. I put my phone away for the entire day. And fam, when I tell you it was the most productive day I've had in a minute, oh, it was beautiful. That for me is going to be one of my personal practices because I'm telling you that phone, Jesus, it's a distraction sometimes. And I'm going to do that again and again until it becomes a steady rhythm for me. Now, these are just a few ideas that I hope encourage you to regain control over your attention and take back the speed of your soul to align it with the pace of Jesus. And perhaps it's true what they say. 
Slow and steady wins the race. So I want to close out today's episode with a really quick story time. Now, (laughs) I'm going to sing it off key every time. I'm just telling you that right now. It may be a little ironic. I'm talking about slowing down and I'm doing a quick story, but let's just do it. Let's get to it. Let's check out Luke 10, 38 to 42. It's just four verses. Let's set the scene. See, Jesus had a friend named Martha who had a sister named Mary. Now they got a brother named Lazarus, but he's not in this story. Either way, all of them live together in Martha's house in Bethany, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem. Now Martha invites Jesus over and he goes. Martha then busies herself, preparing her home and serving and doing all the things. And her sister Mary, well, she decides to simply sit at the feet of Jesus. So Martha is busy running back and forth, making sure everything is perfect, notices her sister's posture and gets pissed. She literally turns to Jesus and says, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Because isn't that just like hurry? It pulls the worst out of us. It makes us believe that we're victims to someone else's slow pace. And it makes us think that we're entitled to talk out of turn. See, hurry will make us into a hot mess. But look at Jesus' loving response to Martha's muddled mind. He says her name twice. Martha, Martha. Do you hear the tenderness? Because it's all up and through there. And he says this to her. You are distracted and worried about many things, but Mary has chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. Another way to describe the good part is the one thing, and it will not be taken from her. And scene. Ooh, what a moment. Now, I can't help when I read to ask the text, so what's the one thing? And yo, here's reason number 274 of why I love the word, because it answers questions like these. The one thing it's Psalm 27 and 4. It's Jesus' response in Luke 18, 22. Go check it in the time. Remember, I'm trying to move. But the one thing, it's the presence of God and all that comes with it. This is what makes it the good part. See, Mary took on the posture of how a student learned from her rabbi during those days. She sat at his feet, learning, trusting, loving, submitting, and beholding the only one who had the power to change her life by giving up his own. It's not that she didn't prepare herself, but it's that she took the time. She slowed down long enough to enjoy what she prepared for, not distract herself out of delighting in the promised king. Because isn't, isn't that possible? And doesn't that happen sometimes that we can be in a place in life where all we do is serve and go and serve and go and we serve and we never take the time to sit, to rest, to behold him and become like him. Fam, and all of our doing and all of our serving, don't forget to sit because we can do for him all day, but until we do what he did, we will always miss the life that he had. So what's the word? Slow down so you can see. Slow down so you can love. And slow down so he can form you.
Fam, that's it. That's our show for today. And I'm so, so grateful. Thank you for being with me today. Now, if you're looking for more, soulworkwithson.com is the website. Son Pope is the IG. I would love to connect with you. And please, if this episode blessed you, share it with a friend, will you? Subscribe for more free episodes delivered to your device and leaving a review, it helps spread the news of the show. So can you do that for me, please? Thank you so much. Let's heal together, fam. This is our journey. Remember, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love ya. Talk soon. Oh, 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 oh,